0: Have you ever been confused for someone else? Maybe you're just walking along and somebody comes up to you and you can tell they're very excited to see you and they want to tell you something and there's that awkward moment when they realize that you're not who they thought you were and you're like, okay, right? Sorry, I am who I am, right? Or maybe you're at a family gathering and everybody looks alike anyway and you're trying to figure out where... Who is that? And that looks just like so and so. You get confused, or maybe you're the one doing the confusing. I've heard of some people being in the supermarket and thought they saw their dad up there, and they go to hug their dad and come to find out wasn't their dad. Made some guy's day, huh? <laughs> Ooh. So being confused, and if you've gone through that, maybe then you can have a sense of maybe what's going through Peter's mind. You see. Peter, probably in his own mind, just did a good thing. He just stood up for Jesus. He just went out on the limb. He's standing on his faith. And he's telling Jesus that this stuff that he's talking about is never going to happen to you, Jesus. And then Jesus says, Get behind me, Satan. Now, I've been called things before, but never Satan. And so did. Jesus confusing Peter here? Does Peter transform? Is something different about Peter? Why would Jesus confuse Peter with Satan? Now, probably in our minds, you know, the guy, he's red and he's got horns and a tail and and a fork. That's probably not the image Peter or Jesus would have had in their mind. But what is it about Peter at that moment that Jesus confuses him, seemingly, with Satan? Now, to be fair, we need to remember that this isn't the first time in Matthew's gospel that Jesus has had to deal with Satan. You may remember the scene. Jesus is high above the mountain with Satan, and Satan has already tempted Jesus in a couple ways, and now as they stand there overlooking this grand scene, Satan says, Jesus, brother, all this could be yours if you just bow down and worship me. And one of the things that Jesus says is, Get away from me, Satan, or get behind me. See, the problem that Jesus had with Satan at the beginning was that Satan had him all wrong, had his mission all wrong, was trying to tempt Jesus away from his mission that God had sent him on. And it seems like Peter, Peter got Jesus wrong, too. So that as Jesus is explaining all these things that have to happen, Peter says, no, that's crazy. That's not, that can't be right. And essentially, he's not just disagreeing with Jesus. They're not just having a friendly debate. Really, what he's telling them is that God's plan is wrong. Now, we can look at Peter today because, you know, none of us get God wrong, right? I mean, none of us miscalculate what God is doing and, We don't doubt God or question God. So we can just look at Peter today. We'll save ourselves for another day. Is that okay? Okay. It seems like for Jesus it worked for him to shoo Satan away. That when Satan came and tried to deter him from what God had set before him, he shooed him away. And if it worked for Jesus, friends, it just might work for us. Y'all with me? When something Someone or some event is trying so desperately to take you away from what God has planned for you. Maybe you need to do a little shooing. Get away from me, Jesus said. Get behind me. Peter had totally misunderstood Jesus. What Jesus was about and what Jesus was about to do as well. And if we think about that, Jesus didn't want Peter to leave. I don't think. When he tells him to get out of here, he doesn't want, I don't want to see you ever again. It was Pete, it was Jesus who approached Peter and said, Hey, follow me. I don't think Jesus wanted Peter to be gone. He just wanted Peter to be right. To show Peter how to be right. After he shoes away the Satan, he turns to his disciples and says that if anyone wants to become my disciples, this is what they must do. And that word become for me is very meaningful and very liberating. The question many people have is, well, if I become a Christian, does that mean I change overnight? That everything about me in the blink of an eye just turns over and I'm a new person. I turn over a new leaf overnight. Now, I've known people and many people have known people that that's been their experience, that God has just done something for them, that they are changed in that moment. For most of us, though, we realize that that's not quite how it happened for us. But even in those people where it's happened so suddenly, we realize that God is continually in the process of shaping, reshaping and molding and remolding us so that that word becomes becomes a great word for us because we realize God is always doing something in us. John Wesley had this idea that God's grace was so remarkable, a gift from God. And the three particular graces he always talked about, it was God's prevenient grace, right? The grace of God that called out to you and me before we even cared, right? And John Wesley had an image of a house. And he said, as you came to this house, when you were on the front porch, That was an an illustration of God's prevenient grace, that God was calling you to to God's home and there you were. And that when you went to open the door, God's justifying grace made you right with God. Nothing you did. It's a straight gift from God. So as you entered that door, you knew you were being made right with God. And then once you were in the house, you look around and you think, this is a nice house. (laughs) This is a pretty cool house, and you're looking here, and you're looking there. You notice the details on the wall, and the flooring is beautiful, and the fixtures, and the paintings, and the furniture, and you're just at awe at everything, and you feel like you've been here for forever, and you realize you haven't even left this room because you're exploring everything about this house, and that that image was uh, illustrative of God's sanctifying grace. That that reminds us that, God, when we are in the house and we are seeing all these new things, that is God's grace to us. And that when we become God's disciples, we are learning all these new things about God's beautiful house. And we haven't even gotten upstairs yet. Y'all with me? Thank you. Somebody is. And so here's this image of God's grace and God calling out to us, shaping us, reshaping us, molding and remolding us. And this is how we continually become disciples of Jesus. See, some people have this, this, this wrong idea that we've got to get right with God before we come to a place like this. Or we've got to be right with god before we can do god's work we got to be right with god so that god would want to listen to us or that god would want to hear us or bring us into that house but peter teaches us this morning you don't have to be right because peter wasn't just wrong he was dead wrong he was satan wrong and yet peter didn't go anywhere jesus didn't shoo peter Peter was still walking with Jesus, and that shows us, friends, that we don't wait till we get it right. If we wait till then, well, we'll never stop waiting. Y'all with me? Some of you shared, some, uh, shared this uh, during this week, and uh, I thought it was so appropriate for what we're doing and what we're talking about today. we look, Some people, we look at the Bible, and we think, man, there's a lot of people, a lot of great people of God, and they just they had their act together. And boy, that's a lie. So that we realize Jacob was a cheater and Peter had a temper and David had an affair and Noah got drunk and Jonah ran from God and Paul was a murderer. Gideon was insecure. Miriam was a gossiper. Martha was a worrier. Thomas was a doubter. Sarah was impatient. Elijah was moody. Moses stuttered. Zacchaeus was short. Abraham was old. And friends, Lazarus was dead. <laughs> and yet God used those people to do great things. Now, what's your excuse? John, I I didn't grow up in church. I don't know a whole lot about Bible and God and stuff. I don't know what to say. You know, you just keep the excuses coming, friends. And what we realize in the end is that none of that matters. God uses us anyway. Amen? See, it's been said before that if he were to pat you on the back, you would be able to use that on your resume. Yeah? it been said before that uh, one time he thought he was wrong, but he was wrong. His personality is so magnetic, he can't carry credit cards. Both sides of his pillow are cool. (laughs) Says that when in Rome, they do as he does. And that even if he were the last human being on earth, the species would still survive. Of course, friends, this is the most interesting man In the world. Now, unfortunately, many of us don't know that, man. And it's fortunately, many of us aren't that interesting either, are we? Now, what's funny... Okay, (laughs) stay with me. What's funny about those commercials is that the claims are... They're funny. And they're so outlandish. It makes you think about these things. Like, how in the world could that even be possible? And this is so funny. And if you think of it that way, then we are, you and me, God's people, we are the most interesting people in the world. Now I want you amen. I want you to think about that list that Patty read from Paul. Did you hear some of the things that Paul said we are supposed to be? Now, I'm going to read that list to you again just so it's fresh in your mind. And most of you have a study Bible or even our pew Bibles. I think they, um, they mess up a little bit. There's a heading over that section that say, says, Marks of the True Christian. It's a fair heading. But I think when we realize what Paul is saying and what Paul is doing and whom Paul is speaking to, Paul is not talking to one person. He is talking to an entire body of believers. And so maybe the better heading is not marks of a true Christian, but marks of the true church. Y'all with me? Hear how outlandish this is. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Okay. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection and outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal, but be ardent ardent in spirit and serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Okay, I can do that. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Well, come on. Contribute to the needs of the saints. What, you know? Extend hospitality to strangers. I don't know. Bless those who persecute you. Easy, Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. (laughs) I paid all that money for that degree. What? (laughs) Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Never avenge yourselves. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. Is Paul crazy or what? You see, friends, that is who we as God's people are called to be. And sometimes in discussion with people and they think, well, church and the Bible is just a bunch of rules and blah telling you what to do and okay, well let's look at some of those rules and we think about we look at these rules, think, Okay, let love be genuine. Oh, that's horrible. Right? That's a horrible rule to live by, right? Just think about how much damage that can do to our world. <laughs> Hold fast to what is good. Oh, no. Get behind me, Satan. Y'all with me? Now, we look at this list and we think, oh, what is this list for? And I think what well, we realize, it's in the very last verse that we read. And Paul says, do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. See, we're, I don't know about you, but I was taught in various places and times throughout my life that you fight fire with fire. And it only seems logical that if you have fire and you add more fire to it, all you really end up with is more fire. And that's maybe the idea is that sometimes we need to realize that God calls us to something different. Well, what do you mean? That's, that's the way you do it. Well, Jesus told Peter, get behind me, Satan, because he got Jesus all wrong. And maybe there's things about God that we don't quite understand yet. But we are becoming Christ's disciples, aren't we? There are still things we can learn. Someone once said that the Christian faith has not been tried and found wanting, but that it has been found difficult and left untried. Meaning that it's not that some, someone came to, to be a Christian or decided, let me try this Christian stuff and thought, well, no, I don't, no, that's not rewarding at all. It doesn't mean anything. What it means is that, well, people have thought about what it really means and said, no, thank you. Because if we hear what Paul is saying, that is the true mark of the true church people who live out their lives like that how outlandish is that how crazy and over the top and out of this world is that loving my enemies feeding and giving them something to drink but it's by doing so paul shows us that we can overcome evil Friends, I don't know if you realize this or not, but there is evil in this world. Paul shows us that we can overcome it with good. And we look at that and say, yeah, but you know, that's just not the real world. But if a million Christians would decide to do a million good things, are you telling me our world wouldn't be better? I think it would be. And when Paul uses this word good, do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good, there's a sense of usefulness, that good equals usefulness. And if good is useful, then that might mean that evil is useless. Y'all with me? And we know that, so think about your own life. somebody just decides they're going to tell you what's on their mind, Now, you want to respond, don't you? You got a few things to say, too, don't you? And I don't know about you, but that's how I grew up. That's what I was taught in school. That's just just who we are. Well, I'm going to stand up for myself, and I'm going to say what needs to be said, whether it's the right thing or not. I'm just going to get it off my chest anyway. But, friends, does that always prove to be useful? Quite often it doesn't. It just adds to the situation. Are our lives useful in overcoming uselessness, evil? The things we do, the words we use, the way we live our lives, are we being useful in overcoming evil? God has shown us how to do that. And it's my thought that, friends, if we could learn more and more how to do that, Our world would be a better place. And the good news is, the the great news, I think, is that we are the most interesting people in the world if we live like that. The bad news is, is that we as Christians in the church, well, we're supposed to be the most interesting people in the world, but we look like everybody else. We have the same kinds of attitudes. We have the same kinds of words. We get mad at the same kinds of things. We yell at the checkout person the same way everybody else does. We treat each other the same way everybody else does. We live our marriages the same way everybody else does. We treat our teachers the same way everybody else does. We talk about politicians the same way everybody else does. And then we wonder why the church doesn't have the place that it once had before. It's because, friends, we have lost that most interesting edge about us. Y'all with me? God calls us to be and to live a different way in recognizing what God has done for us. How useful could we be in overcoming evil when we can learn to live like the most interesting people in the world? Brothers and sisters, I want you to pray with me real quickly, and I want us to ask God together to continue to help us become those most interesting people. Those people who love their enemies, those people who seek to look out not after themselves, but other people, those people who have a great love for all God's people, no matter what. Would you pray with me now? Oh, God, you have called all of us here and you have brought us into your presence. And we are thankful because in your presence we find hope, love and salvation. And we ask, God, that as we find these things in our own life, that we then in turn could be able to live lives that reflect those things to other people. That we could live a life that mirrors your will. And not our own. So teach us, God, and hear us as we pray out to to you. you. Those of us who have known you for so much of our life, continue to work in our life. Those of us, God, who are in the beginning stages of knowing what it means to follow you, help all of us, God, to move further and further away from our plan and closer and closer to the life that you have. For us. In Jesus' name. Amen.